Welcome to Fresh Coast Jazz Backstage, the show that gives you a chance to hang with today's top contemporary jazz artists. I'm your host, Carl Brown. Welcome to the show today, friends. We are happy that you took a little time out of your day to check us out at Fresh Coast Jazz Backstage. Today's guest is a Danish-born musician who started playing the clarinet when he was just seven years old. He released his first album back in 1997, and since then he's gone on to make 12 albums with a 13th album called Looking Ahead, dropping on May 12th. Um, His music has made it to the charts uh, some 25 times to my count, and he's even had the chance to play at the royal wedding of Crown Prince Frederick. He's a regular on Smooth Jazz Radio, tours all over the world, makes great music, and he is also a serial entrepreneur, which we'll get into a little bit with him. He's owned a record label, a wine company, and a cigar company. Please welcome to the show today, saxophonist Michael Lington. Thanks for coming on, Michael. My pleasure, Carl. Thanks for having me. Oh, man, it's certainly our pleasure to have you on today. I appreciate you making time. I want to start with how your career got started. I understand music was sort of in your blood, if you will, huh? Yeah, I was I was born in Copenhagen, and uh, my grandfather Otto he was not only a professional musician, but he was quite a quite famous band leader. Yeah, uh, including for American talent coming or artists coming to Europe to tour. Okay, uh, for sixteen years he became a very personal friend, but also her band leader Josephine Baker. Oh wow. Yeah, and uh, he made records with the Mills Brothers, tours with the Mills Brothers, Fats Waller. Wow. Yeah, so I have I have pictures in my house here in, in California of him with all of these giants. And I think very early on, it was, uh, it was pretty clear to me that music was going to be something I wanted to be involved in. It sounds like it. That's pretty cool, though, to be able to be at that age, to be so young. And to see all this going on around you, but also to recognize that you were witnessing greatness at such a young age. Well, I don't think you necessarily, I, I knew what I was witnessing, but uh, what was interesting, I should say, is my dad, his son, never pursued a professional career as a musician. So it sort of jumped a generation. Okay. And, I, and I think my grandfather and I struck up this friendship, but obviously I had, there was some kind of music in me because- yeah. And he recognized that. And I just think su- surrounding, being with him all the time, and then being surrounded by all of this artistry. And I remember being at his house. This could have been late 70s or early 80s. I'm kind of dating myself a little bit now, but probably 10 years old at the time. And I remember one of the guys from the Mills Brothers uh-huh. called him, wish him a happy birthday. But I mean, it was just stuff like that. And I yeah. had just this movie from me. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I understand that you started off playing the clarinet. You were just seven years old, but that when you were around 15, David Sanborn impacted you musically. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, I think I was losing interest in in the clarinet. It was more classically, I was more classically trained. You become a teenager and you start playing, you play the clarinet and it's just not, it's not super cool. Yeah, yeah. No disrespect to clarinet players because- (laughs) I happen to think that one of the most beautiful pieces of music ever written was Mozart's clarinet concerto. Uh-huh, so, uh-huh. Uh, but for me, it was just I needed something a little more expressive and a little more jazzy and a little more contemporary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And really, David Sanborn and Grover Washington Jr., w- when I heard 
their sounds got turned on because they had made records many years before that. But yeah, started getting on my radar, and I was like, to have a wind instrument that where you could it could be that versatile, you know? Yeah, you could jazz, but you could play funk, you could play soul, you yeah. Can, even in pop music, pop music like David Sable playing on Young Americans for David Bowie, and mm-hmm. had, of course Grover and Bill Withers, some of the greatest R and B soul records, and I mean, so I was just like, yeah, I think that's what I'm going to go for right there, the sax. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can tell you, Sanborn had a significant impact on me too. I still remember the day I was a sophomore in high school. My older brother put on the, it was who was a DJ and at the time and he Saturday morning he puts on this album I had never heard anything like it and I run into his bedroom I'm like what is this and it was David Sanborn's Voyeur album and oh from God. that I mean that was for me too that was one of the hideaway and Voyeur was when, yep. when I, it's like what was so interesting about it was that I appreciated the John Coltrane's and the Charlie Parkers but I honestly feel that because I came from a classical training where it was all about reading music and not so much about improvising mm-hmm. actually not about improvising at all yeah it was a little it was i wasn't quite up to speed as far as being able to mimic or imitate or really quite understand what these guys were doing they yeah. were just so good but when i heard sanborn and grover what it was for me is they had a blend of all of these different genres yeah and it was sort of sick teeth into it yeah it makes total sense it's like it's this new playground that you just found right, right. and it's right. like all these new shiny things because it's it, that's exactly what it is it's this melding of all of this different type of stuff that just right. it gets your senses up on 10 you're kind of like whoa what is this you know in a good way i loved the the meritage of styles if you will i love that it wasn't confined to just jazz yeah. i love that it transcended into the soul and r&b yeah and and all of that. That's what I, that's what for me was like, there's really not any music you can't play the sax to, you know? Yeah, no doubt yeah. about it. No doubt about it. So talk to us about your process for making music. Like, how does that happen for you? How do you go about deciding, okay, I'm going to make this or I'm going to make that? You're talking about in terms of making an album and writing yeah, a song? exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I, I always try to have a point of view. When you first begin, I think you just experiment with writing songs and see kind of what comes out of it, collaborate, sort of see. And then eventually, you will have enough songs for an album, you go yeah. and record it. So I think at the beginning, you're exploring yourself as an artist to see what are some of the things that turns you on musically and mm-hmm. how do you, what's your style? You yeah. kind of, later on in life, goes the first real strong point of view with a, as far as going into an album was when I did 2006, I did my a song for you, which was taking mm-hmm. singer and songwriter songs out of their acoustic element and putting it into an orchestral version. That was a very distinctive sort of style or way of going about making a record. But then later on, when I got into the soul music, I decided I wanted to go back to the roots that inspired me in the first place, which is the soul and the jazz, particularly the early R&B and soul coming out of Memphis, you know, mm-hmm. like because I would listen to a lot of singers too. I would. It wasn't just. I wasn't just listening to Sanborn and Grove in Washington. I was listening to Bill Withers and Randy Crawford. Yeah. I was kind of absorbing all of that melodic interpretation of melodies and all of that stuff. So I said, how cool would it be to go? Some of these people, they got their. They listen to Otis Redding. Yeah. They listen to Wilson. They listen to you know, some of those great Wilson Pickett. I mean, some of those early. R&B artist, right? So, yeah. so how cool would it be to go back and sort of 
get into that. So in 2014, I released my first, I went to Memphis, actually recorded at its Royal Studios. Okay. And then I used some of the musicians from Stax Records. I used, on all of the records, I used the Hodges Brothers, which were in Al Green's band. Yeah. Sort of. So I started getting into that very Memphis-y kind of thing. I even did a duet with one of the original soul singers from Memphis who's still around. He was actually on Stax Records even before Otis Redding. Wow. Uh, William Bell. Okay. Okay. So I got submerged into all of that. So I try to go into making these albums with a point of view. And so the process is like, what kind of sound, what kind of feel am I, do I want to do? And then I just saying, okay, who do I need to involve myself in to achieve that? Yeah, gotcha, gotcha. Are you thinking about the commercial aspect of it? Or are you like, I know, like, are you trying, I guess maybe a better way to ask the question is, are you, when you're creating music, is it just about what you're wanting to create? Or are you trying to say, I really want something radio is going to want? Or are you not worried about those things? You're just making what you feel uh, is I, in your I, heart I, to I, make. We're always worried about the commercial appeal of something because it's not great to spend a year making an album and nobody wants to hear it. Right, <laughs> right. Well, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Worry about that. But I use my internal barometer and yeah. it's actually, uh, it served me very well over the years. Yeah. I will say I was known, say before 2014, for making a little more sort of poppy songs or mm-hmm. me and, uh, and songs like that, you and I. But when I started in 2014 with the Memphis Sound, I started my own label and I told my partner, I said, there's a chance that this music is just not going to fit on the format as we know it, but I believe it'll find its audience. But I'm not sure because it's going to be so raw, so organic. Yeah. And song says, they're not smooth jazz songs. They're mm-hmm. just so. I was wrong. The single we released from Soul Appeal, the title track, spent 16 weeks at number one. And yeah. I said, I was happily wrong about yeah. that. But I've just, I always feel that if you try to make music based on what you think people going to like or what you think program is going to play, you're one step behind. Because yeah. Yeah. Never. It's not authentic, and I think if any, if anything, I think people, even the people that don't know music, they can tell if you're authentic or not. I think that's so true. And I, I, so I think follow your heart, follow your gut, use your internal barometer, and and then let the dice roll wherever it rolls. Yeah, you know? yeah. I mean, you know, uh, I've been extremely blessed that that most of the singles I've released have ended up on the charts on radio, and I'm only excited about that because it's a, it's a form of validation of course yeah. it's like also it exposes more people to the music i'm making which yeah. is definitely a beautiful thing you know no doubt about it and i think you're what you said is so true that authenticity comes through you know right like if i think great music moves people and if it doesn't move you who creates the music how is it going to move others right yeah. And I think it's that authenticity that that makes great music what it is. And so that's an awesome way to go about it. So you've owned a record label. You've owned a wine company. I'm releasing my new album. I took a little detour. My last, my previous album. Okay. Because it was a duets album. And it was so involved with getting clearances and licenses because uh, I had to get special licenses. It was a duet. So we Get, get a hold of labels and managers yeah. and make so I signed with a label and so for the sake of them being able to do all these clearances it was a little gotcha. easier but now I'm back to releasing my new uh, album that comes out May uh, looking ahead on my own label again okay okay and you've also owned a wine company and cigar company 
Correct. Yes. So, uh, wine company. Well, I've been lucky because I had people approach me to partner with them on my own line of cigars and wine. So it wasn't like I, I just one day woke up saying, let me start a wine company. Okay. Okay. I said, hey, I know you have a cigar company. How great would it be if you had a line of wines? Yeah. Come up and talk to us. That kind of thing. So. Okay. Are you still active with those ventures? Yes and no. I mean, okay. Wine, not so much because there were, he ended up, he didn't sell the winery, the guy I work with, but he leased it out to a massive company. Gotcha. Uh, yeah. So it's a little hard to get. It's a tough business too. Yeah. But as far as the cigars, we still had an inventory that is being sold, but we're not producing new cigars. Gotcha. It's without getting too technical about it, but cigar permits and licensing and uh, and taxes and import, this, that, and the other is very intricate. Is yeah. very Honestly- it's about time management. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, 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 sure. So as a musician, do you prefer being in the studio or being out touring and on stage? Well, I think there's a place for both. I, mm-hmm. I mean, you will say uh, it was so ever apparent after the pandemic, after we were all sidelined for two years, yeah. that you go out there on a stage and you have people sitting there having a great time, smiles on their face, having a just giving that energy and feedback as you are on stage performing, it's hard to beat that feeling. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because it's such a, it's such a, it's a conversation. Yeah, that's a great way of putting it. And it's a beautiful exchange of love and you know what? Unity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay? And everything else feels so divided. Yeah, that's true. Can, can you agree? I, I mean, Oh, absolutely. Just, Every day, wake up going, oh, God, you know, just this going crazy over this, that, and the other. You go on stage. Everybody there is for the same purpose, is to enjoy each other company, forget about whatever is on their mind, and yeah. be in the and enjoy. And that unity is beautiful. Yeah. You're not kidding. All walks of life. Every single person from you name it is there, right? Yeah. So, yeah. it is religion, the political view, it's there, but- we're all united. Yeah. And it's a- you know, that is a really, I'm glad you brought that up. I just came back from the Burks Jazz Festival. And I, you know, I had that, I had a similar thought while sitting there at one of the shows. Like, there's so much diversity. I'm sitting next yeah. to people and we're striking up conversations and we don't know each other. We just met one another. But w- the commonality is the love of the music, right? And that sheds everything else away. It allows you to approach each other. And it was just cool seeing all of these different people just hanging out together, enjoying the music and enjoying one another's company and being open to just accepting somebody based on what they are at that moment in time. Well, we all have the same. We all have a passion, whether we perform or listen. We all have the same passion for this thing we call music. And, you know everybody's on the same page. You yeah, know? yeah, so yeah. So either one way or the other, we weren't made to go. Yeah, yeah. A few people maybe <laughs> but for the most part, we all chose to be there and, and um, we just need more of that, man. I know? agree. I agree completely with that. So I saw a Facebook post that you put out a couple weeks back. You were posting that at the last minute, somebody had called you and said, hey, I need you to come and do a show in the Middle East. And Well, well that's funny. That's, it wasn't in the Middle East. It was in okay. New York. 
Mallorca, Spain. Mallorca, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. okay. Right. Uh, yeah, my dear buddy, uh, Huge Groove, has not been feeling well lately, and he had a private show there, and he had, unfortunately, to cancel. So, now, he didn't call me directly, but we have the same agent, and uh, I guess when he couldn't go, the, the gentleman who hired Huge asked uh-huh. um, if, I, if I could go instead, and so they asked me to go, but it was literally, he was like, can you go to... And we go to two days from now. Wow. So the next day we bought the ticket. And then the next morning I was driving from San Diego to LA to catch a flight uh, to Europe. Uh-huh. And, you know, so it was, uh, it was, uh, it was all very interesting, but uh, it went, it was, it was a very quick trip. Yeah. You know? Yeah. How often do you get a chance to do private events? Is that something that's. Well, I always do a few a year. Okay. You know? Yeah. Okay. You know? It's it's they're interested. They're certainly different. You yeah. Know? How so? Talking about involuntary dragging people at those private events. Always, there's always a handful of people. At least the person that brought you there, they're very excited about what you do. But there, a lot of times, most of the people have no idea what you do. Uh-huh. You were there. It's a f- interesting setup. Always, you know. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. That's cool. But beautiful. But a beautiful experience because again. You you have an opportunity to um, to meet new people to turn new people onto your music. And yeah. really, it's a kind of a cool exercise in in how do you win over a room? How uh-huh. do you how do you make an impact? Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. So when you're performing live, how yeah. much does audience how much does the audience impact your performance? I want to say in a tremendous amount. I have learned over the years that when you don't get the most amazing feedback is not necessarily a reflection of people not enjoying themselves. Mm-hmm. It'd be a reflection of um, this is how they appreciate music. A perfect yeah. example is Japan. Culturally, they are taught to not make any noise during a performance mm-hmm. because you don't, they don't want to disturb the art. They yeah. don't want to eat the art. So you go to Japan and they don't say a peep until the song is over, and then they clap for like 10 seconds and stop clapping altogether. Uh-huh. You're like, where most of them, most of America or any, even in Europe, they're just going crazy the whole time. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, Shane, to answer your question, there are times, and I just remember having a whole series of shows um, in Florida uh, a couple of months ago. And, you know, I walk out on stage and the place goes nuts. And I'm yeah. like, we're going to have a good time tonight. Because <laughs> I haven't even played a note and the place go nuts. You know, there's just an energy, there's a love, there's a support. I feel like I'm being lifted on a That's big cool. cushion and like, you're going to be okay. Everybody's going to be okay. So that exchange is important. And, you know, I, I think in my earlier days, like it was great when that happened. And then you go into a situation where people maybe are not as, as sort of enthusiastic or loud or, 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 but you know, and I was on stage maybe reflect that a little bit in my sort of like I, I would like oh, I don't know what's going on here and then after the show go to a meet and greet and people go oh my god this was like the greatest show we ever got it's like wait what yeah you know, yeah you realize that everybody has a different way of appreciating music yeah 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 so true always an in- indication of it, that's it is sometimes people just want to sit there take it in and enjoy I mean so so I've come to learn that you can't gauge it by that but I will say that it's hard when you go out there and you feel that intense uh, enthusiasm for you being 
there uh, does give you a major lift. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, let's take a listen to some of your music that has given people a major lift when they listen to it. How about we listen to your song, Midnight Drive? Sure. All right.
All right, that was Midnight Drive by today's guest, Michael LinkedIn. So when you're out on the road, Michael, do you enjoy the travel that comes with being a touring musician or is it a necessary part of the job? I think when I was younger, I enjoyed the travel part more because since you're getting on the airplane, you're on tour, it feels very legit, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I think when you get older, the, the early mornings, the yeah, the layovers in the airports, the missed planes, the chicken in at twelve thirty at night into a, a, a hotel in the middle of nowhere and sleeping in different. It just doesn't. It, it's not that exciting. Yeah, the travel part, and then you go to the gig, and as we talked about, you get you walk in, and everybody ah, and you're like, yeah. oh, it's great, it's totally worth it. <laughs> but um. But yeah, I mean, I decided to very late in life to have kids. And, yeah. yeah. So, you know, time away from my family is is time away from my family, you know? Yeah, uh, sure, sure. Well, what's good part about having a family, especially becoming a dad and, and have to get up early in the morning, is that those early morning flights don't scare me anymore. Uh-huh, so, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, you're used to it, right? With the kids uh, getting yeah, you yeah, up. Yeah, they conditioned me to it. So uh-huh. they, That's all right. But yeah, so I mean, the travel part are just some as just a necessary evil for you to yeah. go and get the rewards for all the other amazing, beautiful things. Yeah, you know? and all the travel that you do, like, are there cities that you have gone to that have just like you've fallen in love with that you're like, oh man, I love going here? Or yeah, I mean, you know, I tell you one, some of the greatest shows, I, I, and it's just for me. I grew up in cold weather in Denmark, and uh-huh. I grew up. European, grayish, very typical. So I am attracted to the opposite, which is places like the Caribbean. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> I love the islands. I love Jamaica. I love I love that sort of I love a little shack where you get a chicken jerk. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, being on a little beach with a some drink or whatever, you know, that I like that, yeah, you know? Yeah, And uh, I guess who doesn't, right? So I love the shows when we get a chance to do uh, festivals or shows and those type of things and then extend the trip a little bit. Do you see what I'm saying? Absolutely. Absolutely, I do. But then I do not mind the travel. Then I do not mind the show. So I kind of like those kind of things, you know? Yeah, yeah. When you're on the road, are there things that, you like to do hobbies and things like that that you try to squeeze in. Like I know a lot of guys and people in the industry play golf and they try to tag in golf or something. Are there things you like to do? Uh, You know, golf is something I've started later in life. Uh, I'm still learning, like I guess everybody is, because I I keep asking people that I'm really good at golf. It's like you ever reach a point where you're like, you know, that's it. I'm good. Yeah. No, No, you don't. You don't. Oh, so the other thing with golf, like for example, is it's such a long game. It takes, yeah. you know, whatever. But when I'm on the road, I guess I try to get in and out as quick as possible so I can be yeah. back as family. So the only thing that I try to maintain when I'm there is try to do some exercises, uh, work out and gotcha. stuff. That there's not much time for more. Now, every now and then, okay, perfect example. When I just went to Mallorca for that show, we did have a day off and there's some beautiful castles. So we did go out on a little cool. sightseeing half a day and saw some of the local sites which you kind of have to do yeah 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 that's cool so you talked about growing up being born in copenhagen and growing up there what is what was that like for you making the decision to to come over here to the states to pursue your dreams you know i think 
as we discussed earlier, I think there w- there's been something, an implant of some sort, very very early on in my life that this is going to happen. Yeah. This okay. Is, see, I can't explain it. Yeah. But I think you with a the music that I was attracted to, the music that I I fell in love with was all American music. Okay. It was all, a, a, again. R&B and soul. Yeah. Was the artists that my grandfather worked with, they were all, they were Americans. They were, I, it was just, just something there. I yeah. just don't think so. So I think it was, you were, I was 21. I was on my own. Yeah. I owned nothing. I had no responsibilities or liabilities or I just literally had a saxophone in a suitcase. Uh-huh. I'm like, Go and see what happens. You yeah. Know? Well, look at that. I mean, a saxophone in a suitcase to all that you've accomplished now. That's got to be pretty, pretty mind-boggling sometimes to think back on that. Yeah. I mean, I'm. I, I've. You know, my good buddy Dave Cos always says, "Do you ever keep inventory of, you know, what you have done so far? You yeah. keep now the freaking country." I said, you know, I I'm not good at that. Yeah. I always think about what's happening tomorrow, what's next, what's going on, what are we doing now. Very seldom do I go. Um, I remember he said the same thing when I performed at the royal wedding in 2000, and he's the, for the Crown Prince of yeah. Denmark, future king. When I got back, I was in the middle of a tour, and I literally left the tour for 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 two or three days to go perform that in 2004. And when I came back, he called me. He says, "I sincerely hope that you stop." for a moment and just acknowledge and realize what you just did. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. You know, the guy was great, but I'm in Baltimore now on tour. He goes, stop, <laughs> just stop for a moment. That's, I'm not been, I've never been great at, at, uh, at taking inventory in my own career, to be yeah. honest with you. But what was that like, though? I mean, being asked to play for the future king of your country, like, what was that like? That had to be pretty surreal. Okay, so I while I lived in Denmark, I had uh, performed for the royal family before, but I performed for the, uh, I think the Queen's 50th birthday. Wow. Could have been. Um, and for uh, the Queen's husband, who was at Prince Consort, we didn't have a king at the time. He was a Prince Consort, Prince Henrik. Uh, I performed for one of his birthdays. And by the way, we have the same birthday, June 11th. Oh, okay. So, uh, but, so I performed for them a couple of times before, but of course the royal, I, I mean, you have never seen anything like this. Yeah. I mean, I, it's, it is literally like watching like wedding of Princess Diana. I mean, it was just, it, the magnitude of yeah, I bet uh, it's unbelievable. It's an experience you can't imagine. It's like it's cra- it's like a fairy tale. Yeah, You're like, people in their uniforms, uh, the the women in their most beautiful gowns. Everybody's wearing medals and hats and swords. And I mean, it's just it's like a, it's like a Disney movie, except it's real. That's awesome. That's awesome. So you got a new album coming out in May. Uh, called Looking Ahead. Tell us about that project. Sure. You know, um, by the way, Carl, you have great, you have had great questions. You have great questions. Thank um, you. The reason I say that is because you always, you, you know, you've asked me about very sort of pressing things uh, about the process of making records, for example. Yeah. And, I, and, I, and as I said, most albums I've done have has such a, a, a strong point of view. Going through the pandemic, for me, was was uh, I was a little bit in a suspended time because I mm-hmm. had a son one month before the pandemic hit. So wow. I was in the sort of in cloud nine. I was in love with this little person. Yeah. You know, truthfully, um, it, I come to realize later on that 
um, I went through a lot of personal changes during that time. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, I turned 50. Uh, I, I got married. I had my first child. Uh, I moved from LA to Carlsbad. There was a lot of personal changes. My community that had been living with, you know, around for 32 years were, were sort of had all changed. Yeah. And time, when I sort of got out of the cloud of having this in, in, intense love affair with my child. Yeah. You know, yeah. Realized that you know musically, I wasn't sure what to do. Okay, okay. Um, I was a little confused. Uh, there were times where I maybe thought that um, uh, I'd lost interest a little bit. You uh -huh. know, I wasn't sure. It just wasn't clear to me. So, uh, what was interesting is that uh, I remember an old saying about if you can't see your your way out of the woods, as long as you can see the step right in front of you, just take that. Yeah. Wow. I started making this album with no real point of view other than I had to first discover whatever I had sort of lost interest, what was going on. So I went back and listened to those albums we talked about of the mm -hmm. Grove, Sanborn and the Bob James and, okay. and, and find out. And I felt, and I found out very quickly that I still have that insane love yeah. for, for passion for music. So then I just started making um, a song, just started writing, then started recording. So I literally recorded one song every six months. Wow. Moving forward. Yeah, and, yeah. And I was so conflicted because on one hand, I have was now a family man, where before I'd been single for all of these years, I was a family man, and I was married, I had children, I was moved out of my community, and I had this intense love for my family, my wife, my children, but then... I also felt disconnected. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this was really, this album helped me personally through a little bit of a shift in my overall being and sort of rediscovered myself. So this album, and it's a, by the way, it's an EP, it's a five song EP. It's also the first time I ever wrote a song for a specific purpose. I wrote a song for my wife for our wedding called Carrie Song, which wow. is on the album. And I had so much appreciation and gratitude and love and then i had so much confusion at the same time yeah where's it going through so this album really reflects my journey through that and ending up on the other side which is why i called look at looking ahead that's awesome i feel that i have moved a million times when i lived in la but from santa monica to to brentwood to, uh -huh. to most but this time around it just felt heavy to me and i was confused as to why I was feeling this way, but I just realized there'd been so many major changes, including the pandemic yeah. and the uncertainties with that. Will there be a music live after this? Will touring ever come back? You yeah. Know? And then I, so this album really reflects my, it's my therapy. Yeah. So that, That's so cool. Very personal to me, this, this music. And then once you're on the other side and can look back and going, I like this version, I like the version of me better. Yeah. What is on the other side better? I just enjoy these things later, but it took me a little path. It's yeah, a little that's awesome. That is so. That's such a profound answer. So, well, let's do this. Let's take a listen from what's going to be. What is your latest single that's going to come off of that EP? And this is called Moon Goddess. Sure.
So that was Michael Lincoln, our guest today, with his latest piece called Moon Goddess. Tell us a little bit about that song, Michael. What what was the genesis of the song Moon Goddess? Goddess uh, obviously is a is a nod to uh, Ramsey Lewis's song yeah. Goddess. Yeah. But it marks the first time I worked with a very talented saxophonist, producer, songwriter, arranger named David Mann, mm-hmm. uh, who lives in New York, was made records for a lot of great people, yeah. including awesome Steve Cole. And I've known I've known Dave for many years, but we've never worked together. And this was the last song on the EP. And he sent me a bunch of ideas to work on. The first thing I heard was Moon Goddess. And when you hear that intro guitar funk lick, I was like, yes, that is the music. That uh-huh. is the song. I, I remember the period of me going from clarinet to sax and I would hear those funk records. Mm-hmm. This, the straight to the heart and to the uh, to Chicago song and all yeah. of that riffy groove stuff and I was like that's it right there so we started working on it now we had the flip in the script on the song that the section that is now the bridge on the song used to be the verse and we, we just like we wrote there was no verse but we wrote a verse and I mean it was just so we flipped it and then I always wanted to work with Stroman Michael White okay who's, uh, brilliant studio musician and touring musician for years he was with frankie beverly and mace but i brought him in on the track and then of course my all-time favorite guitarist paul jackson jr came oh in yeah yeah yeah, yeah. all the all parts and made it even more funky you know and and there you have it moon goddess and it was funny because there was another single that was slated for release off the ep and when the radio promoters heard moon goddess they're like uh do you mind if we make the switch <laughs> And it proved right. It was number one most added on Billboard the first week in uh, the first week out. So that's yeah, fantastic. That's, uh, so yeah, congratulations, congratulations. So we have this segment that we do on the show, Michael. It's called Bout It or Doubt It. So if you're bout it, it's something that you like. If you doubt it, it's something that you're not quite feeling. Can we get you to play today? Yeah, of course. All right, so let's do it. I started this body body. If you bout it, get them up. I mean you body body. I mean you body body. I represent. I doubt it. All right, so Michael, we're going to spin the wheel and get you a category. Then we're going to ask you a couple of about it or doubt it questions, okay? All right, Michael, your category today is food and beverage. About it, about it or doubt it, Thai food. Thai, thai food? Yeah. Doubt it. Doubt it. Okay. Not a big Thai fan. I like it better than Chinese, quite frankly, but, but uh-huh. not, yeah, not, not my favorite. Yeah, not your favorite. Okay. What are some of your favorites? Italian foods. Italian. French. Okay. French, yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Are you a cook? Do you cook Italian or French, or do, do you go out for it? Uh, uh, both. Okay. Um, I'm the cook at our house. My wife, who is very talented in many ways, uh, cooking was <laughs> it's not on top of the list okay okay self in trouble but she'll admit it too so i am the cook i cook every day when i'm here wow so what are some yeah. of your go-to's uh i i do obviously a lot of italian a lot of um kind of like all american stuff um but i like to learn i like to watch cooking shows i like to um look up recipes for new things mm-hmm. the other we found ourselves like we hadn't planned dinner i'm like let me just go down to the store and, and get some stuff. And I went down and 
I bought halibut. I cooked halibut for the first. I mean, I've ah, cooked salmon. Yeah. Well, like, you know, let me cook that. And uh, so I just think about what would be great. And then I just kind of look up a recipe here or there or uh, to try to get away from my go-to. Because I, we all have like, we're good at this, 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 yep. and this. Yep, yep. Like, let me try to learn some new stuff. You know, yeah. let me try to put a little new spin on, on, on a different piece of fish or whatever, you yeah. know, so. That's cool. That's cool. You and my wife would get along swimmingly. She's just like you in that regard. She loves to watch the cooking shows, and then she loves to figure something out and say, oh, I haven't tried this before, so I'm going to go and try this today. Well, let me put it to you this way. I find it very um, artistic. It's it's a very artistic process. It's yeah. I find it very similar to making music. Yeah, you okay. There are ingredients, which are the songs, yeah. right? Yeah. And you can, you can have many different agreements, ingredients and spices, to to flavor it differently when it's all done you have created the album so i find it very ch- well challenging is not the word but i just find it there's a total artistic process in cooking and timing is involved yeah and uh, i just love it yeah I, I really yeah do. i don't love it when i have to like okay i'm tired i've been traveling all day I don't yeah yeah but it's like when i'm in the mood usually like to have a little glass of red wine while i i when i cook i actually like that better than having wine with the with the food okay 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 glass of wine and then i don't need it for the food it's it's a little process of doing it but that's um, cool that's cool all right well let's ask you one more about it or doubt it so about it or doubt it barbecue i'm about it yeah okay all right all right what are some of your favorites on that side of the fence well, you talk about the actual foods or the places? The, well, either, either places or foods. Recording three albums in Memphis. Oh yeah, it's a pretty good barbecue going on over there. No so, doubt. Uh, but you know, I like uh, I like brisket. I like I like a nice barbecue chicken. Uh-huh. I like a sausage. Yeah, um, yeah, 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 yeah. Ribs, if it's not too fatty. Yep. I like maybe back ribs. Just yep. to, yeah. Yeah. Now, do you try your hand at barbecue at all, or? No, that I, I that, that that I don't. Okay, okay. Well, okay. When I'm thinking about more of a traditional barbecue, yeah, I will. I have a barbecue, an outdoor barbecue at my house, so yeah. I will do hamburgers on there, or I'll barbecue chicken, make my own marinade and stuff like that. So, gotcha. I, su- I suppose that, but like the slow roast and stuff, and the smokers and all yeah. this stuff, I'm not a I'm not a pro by any means. Yeah. Not. I tell you, that is one of my hobbies is barbecuing. And uh, you talked about your your music skipping a generation with your grandfather. I had an uncle who we grew up. My family is from Tennessee, but from a town about 90 miles from Memphis called Jackson. And I had an uncle, a great uncle who used to farm hogs and used to cook whole hogs. Right. And as a little kid, he used to bring me to his house and show me how he did it and stuff like that. When I got older, it was something I like. felt like I have to perfect this barbecue thing, right? And I, I remember the first time trying to cook a brisket, it was like shoe leather. And I was, I, was, I was like, okay, I'm going to perfect this. I'm going to perfect this. And so I worked really hard at it. Gotten to the point now where I don't go to barbecue restaurants really anymore because I have a hard time finding barbecue that I like better than what I can cook on my own. But it's a whole science. That's what I was saying. You're going throwing a hamburger on the grill is not really barbecuing. I mean, it yeah, is, but yeah. it's outdoor grilling, you know? 
I know that that to do real barbecue and obviously smoking, smoking is a big part of it. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's about the wood. It's about the temperature. It's about the wind. It's about all those things. But it's a ton of fun. It's a lot of fun for me. So we talked about Sanborn. We talked about Grover. Who are some of the other artists that you would say really impacted you in your development as an artist? And who are some of the artists that you just love listening to now? Well, Ray Charles. Yeah. Um, well, you know, Ray got, talk about transcending uh, uh, styles and, and genres, but uh, Ray, the, I, in general, enjoyed listening to vocalists as much as saxophonists because I like their lyrical approach and their storytelling to yeah. a song. Yeah. Deliver a melody in, instead of just notes. Yep. You know what I mean? I sure so do. I would, I would listen to Randy Crawford growing up. And of course, I ended up working, became, became become very close to Randy. I was yeah. uh, in her band for many years. We had the same manager and then we just became very, very uh, personal friends. Still is. Yeah. Um, That's awesome. Uh, but, but Randy was one would listen to. He listened to a lot of different people from Alison Krauss to Luther Vandross yeah. to... Uh, it's Sharon. I mean, I, I, I got Earth, Wind, and Fire. I mean, yeah. it, you know, it's hard to. There's so many, so much great music. That's you know? cool. That's cool. Now, are you a musician who, like, I know some musicians who, like, they're like, I do music all day long. I don't want to listen to music when I'm done working. Are you that way or are you not that way? I'm a little bit that way. Yes. Yeah. 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 And the music that I choose to listen to, um, I, I, like when we uh, when we cook or have dinner or creating a little atmosphere, I like to put it on at low volume. Yeah. You know? Okay. Yeah. But I don't I don't sit and put on an album and sit and just go crazy. I mean, yeah. I've been working on music all day. You know, yeah. it's also a time thing. I spend so much time on music. I need a little break from it myself. Absolutely. Absolutely. I need something that sort of soothes me. So, yeah. I tell you, cooking and putting on a Luther Vandross record is. One of my favorite things, you I know. I can imagine. Yeah, Luther's Luther's hard not to love, you know. <laughs> Just such no, great music, you know. Silk, it's speakers, it's pure silk and honey. Yeah, you know? yeah, 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 yeah. My, I have a daughter who is um, seventeen now, and she wants to be a singer. And I have talked to her about the importance of being proficient, not just technically, but being able to let your passion show. And I showed her the video clip on YouTube of Luther Vandross performing at the BET Awards, right? And I was like, this is a masterclass in how you sing with passion, you know? Yeah, he's, he was definitely a singer's singer. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. But, you know. Yeah, no doubt. So what is something your fans would be surprised to learn about you, Michael? Uh, let's see, you know, uh, well, I mean, you've covered some good things as far as stuff outside music, you know. Yeah. Um, I like to scoop it out. Oh, okay. All right. Cool. Well, I grew up in boats. My parents had boats. I had my first boat at 14, 15. Okay. okay. I owned a boat over here in the U.S. I don't anymore. Okay. But I owned a boat, so I love the water. I love getting in it. I love scuba diving. Yeah, cool. Well, here's the thing. It's a good thing. I'm a little bit of a James Bond expert. Really? Yes. Okay. And, and I grew up. Again, I think it had to do with me. It could be anywhere in the world, but I looked at the adventures of James Bond when I was a kid in Denmark, and it was all rainy and gray and snowy and cold, and I was looking at him at 
exotic locations, doing amazing things and living an amazing life. Maybe there was a part of me that it's like, I, I want an amazing life like that. Yeah. You know, I want some, and I want to live in a beautiful location. I want to go to amazing places. <laughs> so, so I just became a fan of it. And then I, one of the things I feel I missed in school uh -huh. was history and not just James Bond history, but just history in general. I'm a, I'm an analytical person. I like to understand why certain things are the way they are. Yeah. Or what the yeah. background is that led up to a certain thing. And that could be from any topic. So, of course, I approached my James Bond thing with the same thing. Curious about where did they film this? Who was the uh -huh. actor? Well, getting this and who was supposed to be James Bond when the other guy couldn't do it? Just things like that. To, so Yeah, that's pretty cool. So, okay, being a James Bond fan. Thanks. Weigh in on the who who the new Bond is supposed to be. You know, I'm so confused at this point because yeah. my understanding is he died. Okay. So you know. Okay. Well, you know, did you see the last movie? I did not see the last movie. So in the last movie, okay. Yeah, he died at the end. Okay, okay, okay. I'm not sure how they're going to dig themselves out of this one. To yeah. Do another. They'll figure it out. I don't know. Yeah. I don't opinion about who should be the next one can only tell you that i thought daniel craig turned out to be an excellent yeah um, he did he did and i think he he was the closest one to sean connery yeah. even though i grew up with roger moore and i always thought that he was the james bond because i grew up with it by the way uh -huh. he was there he was roger moore was a personal friend of the royal of danish royal family he was uh -huh. there I got a chance to meet him at the wedding at the royal wedding in 2004 that um, had to be kind of cool that was fun, yeah. Yeah, that's fantastic. Well, we got time to listen to one more of your songs. How about we take a listen to the song Show Me? Sure. All right. Yeah, kind of got it started for me. You know, it was my first single, but that was the biggest single. Uh, I, I mean, it was like 20 weeks of number one when yeah. it came out. It was like one of those songs like, okay, he's here. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's an awesome, that's an awesome song. So take, let's take a listen.
All right. You just heard Michael LinkedIn's Show Me. And Michael, after that, you talked about how successful that song was. Like, did you feel like, okay, I've made it now or I'm on my way to making it now? It certainly felt different when it came out because I'd had other singles. My first single was a song, a duet with Bobby Caldwell. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, Tell It Like It Is. And then I had Twice in a Lifetime. I had other singles. I had other singles than that. But when that song came out, it it did. It was a defining moment. I also remembered back then there was still the R&R publication and, and the Gavin. And I remember the radio reporters writing that this song was a career changer. This song was... Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I don't know what it was. I think it was a different sound at the time. It was so funny because the song starts with that acoustic strumming yeah. uh, guitar. And and I remember having a discussion with my label about it. And the label was like, yeah, there's no songs to, on smooth jazz that starts with a strumming acoustic guitar. Uh-huh. Maybe it out. <laughs> and then minutes later, he goes, Oh, no way. Screw it. No, we're leaving it in. We left it in and it didn't seem to be a problem. Not at all. Not at all. So, Michael, what advice would you give your 13-year-old self about life? Oh, God. I would tell myself, and this is the same thing I tell 13-year-olds today and when I do mentoring. As a matter of fact, I'm doing something at my daughter's school tomorrow. going over Meet for their classroom and talk to them a little bit about music. But, um... Be professional. If you want a life, I mean, you're talk- are you talking about advice in music or just in general? In general. Well, in general. Yeah. Study, craft, figure out what you want to do, and then be really good at it. Yeah. In the process of that, be nice, be courteous yeah. to everyone. Uh, yeah. Get your studies in, really. Get your education, and you can always pursue what you want yeah. to specify later. I didn't necessarily do that, mm-hmm. uh, and, it, and it's worked out, but I think I took some detours of the way. Like, I wish I'd stayed in school longer. I wish I studied communication. I wish I'd done certain things. Yeah. Biggest thing that I, and it could have been a cultural thing, was like, I felt, looking back at my life, is like, I felt I was a little closed minded, maybe. I felt I wasn't open to everything and anything. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Allow things in because when you're open, things come into your life that you wouldn't expect. If you're closed-minded and have strong opinions about certain, you 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 shut out a lot of beautiful things. Yeah. And I look back and going, I wish I'd just arms open, invite in all of these things because more amazing things will enter your life. Yeah. You know. That's awesome. So, That's awesome Carolyn. advice. Good, good, good. So three favorite albums of all time. Mm, wow. Well, I tell you what, Voyeur is going to have to be one of them. Yeah, you and me both, buddy. <laughs> uh, uh, Wine Light's going to have to be another. Oh, old. yeah. Uh, boy. Um, oh, you know what's one of my favorite albums? And I shouldn't be picking two Sanborns albums. Maybe I should switch it. But uh, Straight to the Heart. Yes. Yeah, that's and I'll a good tell one, you too. Because he recorded, there was a live album recorded in, as David Sanborn at, at SIR Studios in New York. And I remember just listening to that, and that it came out in like '85, and that was really the album for me. I just, I there was so much emotion in that album. There was so much. Remember, just love for music, the love for the sax, the finding moment of me wanting to become a professional musician happened during listening to that record. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That's that yeah. that that's pretty cool that it had that kind of an impact on you. Into a combination, Randy Crawford was a beautiful album too. Uh huh. Uh huh. It was by the great Tommy Puma. Yeah. Uh, Rear Dictionary Old Blue. Uh, oh, yeah. 
you might need somebody and secret combination. I mean, these were beautiful, you know, these are all songs from my sort of, you know, from my childhood. I, these are songs that really, really impacted and influenced me. Yeah, that's fantastic. So tell us what you've got, what the rest of the year holds for you, Michael. Well, you know, I have this album looking ahead that's coming May 12th. So there's going to be a lot of obviously promotion and publicity going on with that. Um, I'm, I, I won't, I, I can't say I'm, I'm starting a tour because I've pretty much been on tour all year. Starting yeah. second week of January, but it's getting more extensive. I'm going to Europe twice. I'm going in, in all months of May. Fantastic. Uh, July to Hungary and London. And, but then a bunch of U.S. shows all from California to, well, from the West to the East, basically. All right. Yeah. Good. Well, Michael, I want to thank you so much for taking time to hang out with us today. Really enjoyed the conversation, and we wish you nothing but continued success, man. Oh, thank you so much. I enjoyed And again, I appreciate your wonderful questions. Thank um, you. Thank you. It was something to, to, to think about and answer, so thank you for that. Absolutely. I appreciate you, have, you being on with us, man. So all the best to you, all right? Do it. All right. So everybody, be sure to get your tickets for the upcoming Fresh Coast Jazz Festival, August 25th and 26th at the Pabst Theater in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, featuring Larry Carlton, Paul Brown, Rick Braun, Julian Vaughn, Lynn Roundtree, Lindsay Webster, Ali Silk, and Jeff Ryan. Tickets now, available now at freshcoastjazz.com. That's our show for this week. Be sure to check out our website, freshcoastjazz.com, to sign up for our email list so you can stay up on what's going on with contemporary jazz. We'll see you next time on Fresh Coast Jazz Backstage. 